What's up world, this is Blake, the host and the author of this diary, and this is The Diary of a Mad Black Man. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to part two of the I Quit Teaching series. So I think the title is kind of self-explanatory for what you all are about to dive into or what I'm going to share in this episode. I do want to let you all know that this is my longest running podcast that I've ever produced. So I want to make this intro really short so you all can get into the core of the episode. And I didn't know when I was going to release this episode, but I was looking at a post today on Instagram and it was about teachers and mental health. And ultimately, my mental health is the reason why I quit teaching. And so I decided to go ahead and release this episode, especially because May is Mental Health Month. And I think it's very, I think it'll be very beneficial. There's a lot of wisdom that I share in this and in my reflection of this. And towards the end, I really talk to the parents, students, other teachers in the community and kind of really structure that. So um, I don't want to take up too much of y'all time. Like I said in this intro, this is all about why I quit teaching just some more of the story, y'all. So let's go ahead and jump into it. I hope you enjoy the show. Also, don't forget to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Diary of MBM, especially if you want to see the post that inspired me putting out this episode now or other posts similar to it. Mic check, testing, one, two, three. Mic check, testing, one, two, three. Just making sure that this is picking up my voice, making sure that it's sounding good. We're actually turning the volume up just a little bit on the mic. We're going to go up a little bit more just to make sure that we are at a good volume. And I think this right here is pretty good. Yeah, um, maybe not that high. We're going to go down right there. Boom. We are rocking and rolling. And... So, ladies and gentlemen, we're getting started with another episode, another diary entry, Diary of Mad Black Man. Of course, I'm just going to jump right into it because I've already done the intro. Um, so, I recently put out the first episode of I Quit Teaching, part one. Um, I have a couple. I, I've actually recorded myself talking about this several times at this point. Um simply because there's so much to unpack, there's so much to address, there's so much that can be said, could be said, um, but I want to make sure that I focus on what should be said, and I want to focus on the purpose and the intent behind what it is I'm saying about addressing why I quit teaching. I think that, of course, um, I could point the finger at the system, at the people that were, some are still a part of that system and the things that they did and how it was malicious in some ways or um, vindictive in a lot of ways. Um, I, I could go down the list of, of dealing with all of that but um, I want to focus on myself at this point, uh, which is what I which is what I've had to do. And that's really the message that I want to give um, about this, especially as I continue to roll out. This is part two. Maybe I don't know. 
this is just an entry, so this is another time that I'm like recording, just really trying to wrap my mind around what it is that I've experienced, right? Because I really love teaching. I, I truly did. And at one point in the midst of my career and just everything I had going on, I felt so secure. I felt a sense of stability and I saw the bigger picture. This was probably, if I had to, this was probably my second year, during my second year of teaching. Um, I knew that I could do this and I felt the encouragement that it was going to be something that I could be very successful at. I also was able to recognize that a big part of me feeling this sense of success and satisfaction was because of my team, the team that I was working on. My second year, third grade team made my life better, truly made my life, not just as a teacher, but made my life better. They made me more effective in the classroom. It was the type of team that was able to feel a sense of success amongst each other, that we were doing what it is that we were called to do. It was really focused on the children. It was really focused on making sure that our most vulnerable children were taken care of. It was also making sure that we went above and beyond for the students that needed to, that needed a teacher to go above and beyond for. It was never about, oh, these kids can't read. It was about, okay, they can't read, so how are we going to teach them? Let, let, and, and that really was our fight. How are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? We, we see what we are up against. We're all, I mean, two of, two of the people, uh, so to give you guys a back, little background about my second year team, which I'm going to just keep it very, I'm not going to, I've been also, just a little sidebar too. I've been challenged with how am I going to tell my story? It's, it's something else that's been coming up a lot just in me doing my podcast in general, which is how am I going to tell my story and involve other people in my story without making them feel some kind of way or anything. But I think that in this instance specifically, um, it's, I mean, I'll never try and say anything about anybody that's negative or bad, but my truth is my truth. And this part, I think that it's very important to share. Like we were all novice teachers. We were all brand new. Um, it was my second year. Two people, two of the other four people on the team were novice teachers. It was their very first year teaching ever. Um, and, and the other teacher was uh, much older than us. She had been teaching over 20 plus years and actually had retired and come back after a five after five years into retirement um so the dynamics of our team was for 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 me in my experience was night and day i had what i felt like was support i had and it, and it, and this is the thing about education that i learned too you can never say that you're not supported because it's technically somebody's job to support you Somebody, everybody in, in, at least in the school that I was in, and I know that that's, I feel confident saying that that's pretty much existing in most of public school education, that it's somebody's job to support you, to provide you with a certain kind of support that you may say that you need. But the thing about when you're first starting out in this field and specifically in the classroom, 
there's so much stuff that you need that you don't even know what you're supposed to be asking for. You know, there's stuff that you need that you don't even know you need until you need them. And then it's like, I don't even know how to fix this. I don't know how to analyze these assessments and calculate this data and put it on the chart and be ready for the meeting in 20 minutes. I don't know how to do a RTI um, intervention plan program where I got to meet with this child three times a week for 15 minutes on end to do individualized one-on-one attention. Like, the list goes on. My point being is that I had a bomb team of people who really believed in the true mission like I believed, who believed in education the way that I did. This is not a, a nine to five. This is not just a career. This is not summers, holidays, weekends off. You know, this is really this is really a, a mission. This is really changing lives. This is really molding and shaping the future that we're all going to be a part of. I was finally a part of that. And that made all the difference. And this is also me reflecting and, and understanding this now, because when I went into my third year, that team was completely broken up, dissolved. Um, it's just the way education works. The way it works is you're not necessarily a first, second, or third grade teacher. No, you're a public school teacher. You're certified for kindergarten through fifth grade. And you're, you're technically, from a professional standpoint and from a job standpoint, you need to be able to teach anything within that grade level, within your certification you know what I'm saying? If you And your administration as leaders of the building have the ability to put you wherever they see fit. It ain't about where you want to be. It's about where they see fit and where they see the best need is for the institution. So you can anybody who works in education knows that I can go into that in and of itself. I could be a whole episode about how that can play out and how the how the politics. How just. Yeah, not going to go there because I've also realized that that's a part of education and that's a part of the reason why a lot of people leave education. Because if I've been teaching third grade my entire career and now I have this bomb team that I'm working with and we're doing pretty well, like, sure, sure, we made mistakes. Sure, there were things that we could have done better. But we finally became a well-oiled machine. You're going to dissolve that and turn over this grade level for like the fifth consecutive year in this in this school. The one of the most critical grade levels, you're going to turn it completely over again. After the history of so the thing, too, is entering my third year. I also began to understand how the history of schools makes a difference how and and the thing about it too is being in my third year I knew I remember when I first started I remember what it was like um coming in when these kids that were now in third grade were in second grade I remember a lot of them you know what I'm saying so I already kind of had a little relationships with some of them or whatever but by me knowing them at the second grade level um or, or having been there at that time before a lot of members of my team um, I knew, I had also learned what had happened the previous year, which is when the, these students were in the first grade. I, I'm just saying, like, what happens in these schools, like the turnover with the with the it's 
And then this is where I'm also trying to stay. All the mess and stuff that goes on behind the scenes has really impacted these kids' lives. Has truly changed, has, has made some children's entire educational career going to be difficult because you had a teacher in a classroom who just hated her job and who had a or who might have had an administrator who didn't like her and had it out to get her and made her job more stressful or you might have had a teacher who was on a team who didn't support them and didn't give them the resources that they asked for or needed you know what I'm saying so I had finally let go of all of that at to a certain degree but the way I was transitioned into my third year the way I was moved to another grade level all of that stuff began to be a factor okay Needless to say, I did my best to put all of that to the side, to still work through everything, to still push through, to be like, you know what, let me just, in, in my mind, I feel that, I don't know if this was a mistake that I made, but I, I do still really think about this decision because after that year, I definitely had the ability to move and transfer schools because I had earned my certification and everything, you know, and I had, you know, freedom to go to a different you know, environment, but I felt that I could make a difference where I was. I already kind of knew the school, and that learning curve is is a is is one like it, it, it's so, so much that comes in a school on down to the yearly traditions you have to learn and how things go and how things flow throughout a year. It's not like a one week, two week thing. Like you really have to plan for the whole year in the beginning. And so I didn't really realize that until my second year. And then so th anywho, I pushed everything to the side and I said, you know what? I'm going to really make this work. I believe in the mission of my county. I, I just really began to be like, to try to escape. I began to start to just not see what I was really feeling and dealing with, I began to really just kind of consume myself, dive more and more into my schooling and what it is I was doing in my career. And as the school year began, the realization of what I was being thrust back into quickly became my daily struggle. I was on a new grade level, new content, um, which my, my team was still cool um, during my third year. It wasn't about the team, but it was the fact that now I'm in fifth grade and I have 100 plus kids. Um, it was a lot, you know, and I was also dealing with a lot personally. Those of you that know, like, or have listened to my show, you know that during that time, as I've said before, it was very difficult for me. And I, but this is also what I've learned since then. Everything I was doing, and this isn't just with my career, this is just in life in general. Everything I did, everything I wanted to do, it was all derived from trauma that I had experienced as a child. How I interacted with people, how I presented myself, how I believed in what it was I was called to do in that building every day was a reflection of how I was traumatized in school as a kid. It was ultimately a reflection, everything around me, even down to, you know, what I was dealing with personally, you know, being distant from my family, you know, really grieving the, you know, this now entering the third year, the third holiday season without my grandmother and, and me and my entire, me and a couple people within my family were at, at odds with each other, really, truly, truly at odds with each other. So that was affecting me. And really, um, I, I just, I started back in therapy 
And as the year progressed, ultimately, I began to realize that everything around me was a reflection of some sort of trauma that I had experienced in my past. And even my students became to be that because I could see their pain. I knew a lot of, I mean, I, oh my God, I could just, mm. And it's not that a lot of my, all of my kids just had horrible, terrible lives or they, you know, they, it was just life. You know, some of them had parents who really did truly care and love about them and were doing the best that they could, you know, but as I just began to really realize that the reflections of my trauma were all around me and I was also trying to address it during this time, um, you know, I was going to therapy and trying different things out. I also, everything around me also began to be triggers as well. You know, this, these once prized possessions that I had in my house of all these accolades that I have or, you know, or, you know, these achievements and my reputation, you know, once I really began to face myself, I really began to address Blake, you know, Everything around me was it just felt like it was like almost like a toxic lie because who I was really feeling and how I felt and who I was on the inside was so different than what was on the outside of me. You know, I felt like my life was a facade in some way, you know, and it, and in to certain some a certain degree, it had always been that way. You know, I had always hidden or not shown who I was to everybody there. I began to realize that, you know, different people knew me for different reasons in different ways. And ultimately, I guess that's how it is. But I also began to say to see that I would put on to be somebody that I really wasn't. And then I began to be like, well, who am I? Who are you? Who do you really want to be? How do you want to carry yourself? It was so much to begin to wrap my mind around and, you know, I never talked about it. You know, I never told anybody. And I'm still struggling to this day with really opening up and being vulnerable, honest, and transparent. I can honestly say that this podcast is definitely helping. Um, therapy was also helping. It still does. I'm still in therapy to a certain degree right now. Um, but therapy forces you to look at yourself. It forces me to look and look and see why I was having the issues and the feelings that I was having. It forced me to address why I was feeling the way I was feeling, you know, and it forced me to see my problems with my family for what they were and what they truly were. It forced me to see my inner child, you know, and so I'm really, I was really beginning this pro like this is all since then. This is all reflection since then. And so, I'm very glad that I ultimately had this, these experiences that I had at teaching, you know, would I change them? Mm, I don't know. I, I, I don't, that's a question that I just, I don't think I want to address that right now because I do still, I do still love teaching. I mean, I, I think that I would be still be a bomb teacher. I would love to still be doing it, but at the same time, it just, that wasn't my time. I would not change my experience and how it ended because it's helped me to realize all of this that I am today and everything from my past and how it has shaped me to be the person that I am today. You know, I knew that I've also realized that, you know, I'm not responsible for anything that I've experienced, you know, and 
at the same time, I've known for quite some time that I am responsible for my healing. And it wasn't until I, I left education, I left the classroom, I left that toxic environment. You know, and I've really been in therapy and really been soul searching, looking within myself. And now I realize that, well, therapy has also helped me to separate and comprehend that I'm not responsible for what has happened to me. And for a long time, I kind of, I, I almost, it's almost like unconsciously accepted responsibility for what had happened to me because I had accepted responsibility for my healing process. You know, everything that I was going through, you know, from the deep bouts of depression and the fights and arguments with, with family and not feeling wanting to reach out and wanting to feel in isolation. I felt like almost felt like that, that that was my fault. You know, it, it was my fault that I chose to go through healing. It was my fault that I chose to start to heal. And it, it, I have to take responsibility for this. So but I also have to I, there is a certain things that. I am responsible for and there's certain things I'm not responsible for in my healing process and in my past and once I began to really distinguish the difference between the two I knew that ultimately I just had to address that I had grown accustomed to hiding what I was dealing with you know unfortunately and I guess fortunately at the same time you know I was pretty good at hiding it for the majority of my life you know, as as a black man in this country, we're we're kind of that's kind of we're, we're taught to separate our feelings from who we actually are. You know, and I, uh, again, I got so good at hiding who I was and how I was feeling. I would not necessarily hiding who I was, but but yeah, hiding who I was and how I was feeling because they're kind of one of the same. But when what I was dealing with became too big to hide. That's when it really started to spew over. And I, I I knew that, again, I've learned so much about myself. I'm very blessed and fortunate for that. But to go through this terrible, I'm not going to say it's, it's a, I, I don't want to make healing seem like it's this horrendous process or it's just, you know, absolutely excruciating to go through. Um, at times, it does feel like that. The benefits far outweigh that, though. At the same time, I knew it, I had reached a point where I knew I couldn't do this in front of these kids. I couldn't do this as a teacher. I couldn't address my own trauma and see trauma on a daily basis. I couldn't address my own trauma and experience trauma on a daily basis. Or watch these young, innocent, beautiful, bright, black and brown children go through this stuff on a daily basis. I just couldn't do it no more. Everything around me was a reflection of of my of, of everything that I was dealing with and trying to address. And I'm almost 30 years. I was almost 30. I was 28, 29 years old, grown to, to in my mind, you know, and I began to really. Again, I had to address the inner child within myself. And so. I also didn't have the language at the time. And this is when I was still teaching in Atlanta. And that was one of the hardest things that I, one of the most difficult decisions I ever made, you know, by the time, but at the same time, by like mid October of that year, um, of that school year, 
like the suicidal thoughts and the suicidal ideation was just like unbearable. Like I'm talking about like up at night, anxiety, night sweats. I think at one point I might have had a seizure. I don't even know. I was afraid to go to the hospital because I didn't want to be committed because I was having flashbacks and nightmares about when I was committed to the hospital in Miami. Like it was so much that I was dealing with and I couldn't really tell nobody. I couldn't really open up and allow myself to put that weight on anybody. And I think a lot of us who have mental health challenges or who go through depression and anxiety or, or whatever it is, you know, a lot of times I think that that's somewhat natural to not want to feel that. And I, I'm happy that I'm at a much better place. I'm happy that I'm here using my voice and sharing my experiences, especially as a as somebody who still wants to share and exchange knowledge, which ultimately that's what teachers are. I think that the field of education, there's data to show both sides of pretty much any argument you want to try to formulate. Um, it's 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 not for everybody. You know, is it for me? I, I, I can't answer that question. Will I ever go back? I, I don't know what the what the future holds. Um, I think that it's important to recognize and acknowledge that as well in this process. It has helped me to um, move forward because at one point in time, I didn't know what I was going to do. Even like, like I said, when I went back um, into the classroom and I moved to D.C., I only did that for for the for the money. And that and and I knew what I was getting into going into D.C. schools. I had studied D.C. schools in undergrad. I had let me let me say this again. I knew, but I had no idea the level of. And then it's like now, like, well, I just really had no idea, like how bad some schools are. And I'm not saying I was at one of the worst. I mean, I was at one of the worst schools, but. I'm so hyper aware of the world that I now live in. I'm so aware of myself. A part of me is a little concerned about what I'm going to do in the future. You know, that's one of the reasons why I'm really doing this podcast stuff, because it's giving me an opportunity to really exist as I am and be myself and to still send a good message. Because I know that this is going to help somebody. This is going to help a teacher out there because I do want to encourage other educators to stay in the classroom to fight and stand up for what it is that you want and believe and see that you can do in education you know i felt the looking back i didn't have the energy to fight a system that was 10 times stronger and bigger than what it was i was one of the reasons why like everybody that I told anything about what I was going through behind the scenes with like HR and my administration and how I was handling like and how they were handling like paperwork and just everything was going on. Oh, you need to sue them. You need to file a lawsuit. You need to do this. You need to file a lawsuit. You need to report this to this person and call this number. I was like, y'all don't understand. It's not about I'm not holding on to this job, but it's job or this check. I'm holding on to this job because these kids are all the hope that I have left in this world. You know, 
these kids and this job was all I had at one point. I literally, it wasn't until this moment that I realized six months after my grandmother passed away, I was moving to Atlanta to start teaching and working in this building. This building was so much more to me than somewhere I worked. You know, when I first got to Atlanta, um, there were some very, very dark times that I experienced, even though I was starting my career, what felt like starting my career. Um, it seemed I was doing pretty well. I had a nice apartment. I had a pretty decent car. I was able to live. I was able to survive. But I was also living so toxically. I don't even toxic. I was just, I was such a toxic person at the end of the day. I was just, I, I just, and I, and I still to this day, um, struggle with like, how am I going to be a voice for somebody else? How am I going to help somebody else when I'm still struggling? I'm still dealing with this. I'm still, you know, challenged by things that I experienced with my inner child. You know, how am I going to look, you know, either something, one of the reasons, another reason why I left is how am I going to help this kid deal with, you know, ultimately the trauma that he's experiencing at home when I'm still dealing with the trauma that I experienced at home at his age. You know, I guess it's, you know, so I don't know. I feel that I was called to specifically share and teach and I was given this voice and all my life experiences uh, have really aligned to put me in the position that I am right now to be sharing this message with you all. And I can remember there were a lot of times when I was in the classroom and I would go on, I would call them teacher tangents or I probably had some other little name for him, but I would get off subject, but I would get off subject and I would be talking to my students about things that were vitally important. One of the things that I really did my best to instill in them um, before I left was this idea that you all as a generation, as people sitting in this room, sitting right next to you, and all of the millions of young people just like you sitting in a classroom just like this right now, these are the people who you need to be most concerned about. These are the people that are gonna be the ones that are gonna be running this world with you very soon. You know, my generation right now, I feel that we're the ones that are taking the reins of the world right now, which is the reason why you see a lot of, um, I think more liberal ideologies being accepted in society, um, but, all that to say that I quit teaching and even in saying that I feel like a quitter because I mean that's what I did I quit and we're taught in this world to not be quitters don't give up hold on you fight the good fighting and you never give up you know but I had to really sit with myself and I was forced to ask myself, what are you about to quit? What are you actually no longer doing? What are you ending by quitting? You know, I sat with God in this moment and I basically told him, I said, I'm afraid to quit this job. I'm afraid 
to leave this job, the one sense of stability that I found in my life in many, many years. But I also see that holding on to this job is killing me, literally killing me. And it's also causing collateral damage. And I needed relief. I needed a release. And it was in that moment that I really felt God speak to me and tell me, you know, is it this job, this position, this paycheck you're depending on? Or are you really going to depend on your true source? And so when we had that conversation and he spoke those words to me and I felt it in my spirit, I was like, you know what? I know that what I'm doing is moving me in the right direction because it didn't feel wrong. I finally felt in the midst of all the chaos and the depression and the suicidal thoughts and the financial distress of life and anxiety and everything that I was dealing with, I finally in even writing the letter, mind you, this isn't the first time I've written a resignation letter for this for being a teacher. But in writing this specific one, I knew that I was going to be ending something that I really loved. I knew that this was going to be the end of potentially my entire career and everything that I have built. I quit without giving any notice. I, well, not giving any notice. I let, I was in constant communication with my administration. They knew what was going on. They knew it was coming. My administrator knew when she was screaming at me over the phone about me um, not feeling adequate enough to come to work or whatever it was. And I said, you know what? I said, I'm going to resign because I can't deal with people constantly speaking to me like this. Like my spirit, my mind, my body was so fragile at the time that after that coming to Jesus moment I had, it was like survival mode, 1000%. Because I knew that I had to put 110% more faith than I had ever uh, more faith than I had ever thought or believed in, more faith than I could even comprehend. I had to rely on that. I didn't have no job lined up. I didn't have, you know, a big support system to, to help me through this process. You know, I was trying to, at the time, get into real estate. But as you can see, I wasn't in a position to be doing any of that. I've learned since then that actually it's so funny in an upcoming episode you all will hear you're going to hear from one of my guests um her name is Sherman and she has a podcast oh I, I apologize I, my journey within or my yeah my journey within um podcast and she has a very similar style show to me but anywho she was saying how a lot of times God will put you in the wilderness and you need to have a wilderness experience. You know, she has an episode where she talks about the wilderness experience and how when you're in the wilderness and you're going through the most extreme, challenging storms, when you are, what she say, great warriors are built through great wars and battle. You know, 
So I really have been on a journey since really that day, even before I quit my teaching job. Like I knew by me actively getting back in therapy, I even was a trying medication at the time. Um, I tried a couple different medications. If you all want to go back and listen to some of my previous episodes, I talked about that. I even um, so my point I'm trying to make here. Because I do feel myself getting a little flustered and a little bit emotional because this is difficult for me to talk about. It's, it's hard for me to think like, man, what is going to happen when one of my students could potentially hear this? Or when one of my parents that I connected with potentially hear this? And I don't, I, I was also had an experience that I really would rather not go too in depth with right now, um, where I went back to the school to try to say goodbye to my students, um, let them know that I was okay, even other teachers that I really liked that I worked with, and I was actually asked to leave the building. Didn't even get to say goodbye to my third class. So with all that being said, I also wanna state that I understand what public school education is and the systems that it is and I don't even and, and I can't even say that I'm an expert on it because I don't know everything you know I do want to say this I want to send because I'm thinking about okay what am I doing here why like I've literally like over the past month or so like bring you guys up to kind of I'm flashback and I'm bringing this forward now what am I doing why am I podcasting? Why am I on? Why am I sitting in my house? So I've been sitting in this house every day for the past two, three weeks, and literally all day, every day, online, social media, researching, doing podcasting, and it feels so normal, natural, and good. Like I've been questioning, why is this now what I'm doing? And I remember many times questioning when I was teaching, why am I in this classroom? Why am I doing this? You know, it wasn't all peaches and roses. I wasn't the best teacher, but I definitely wasn't the worst teacher. And I really want to share that and share that with other educators and other teachers, because I want to take a moment to talk to four groups of people. Okay. So I want to talk to parents, then I want to talk to educators, and then I want to talk to students and then I want to send a message to my community. Um, I think this is going to help me and potentially help you or somebody in understanding not only my experience, but maybe add something to your experience and your journey. Because what I was doing and what I believe that my life's purpose is, is so much bigger than a building, a paycheck, and even what I was able to do in that short period of time. And I think my own feelings that I'll be dealing with um, and managing are just going to be what they are and they'll come and go and grow how they need to and I'll deal with that but this message is very important so I really hope that it resonates with you um, I also want to take a moment just to say thank you for listening to my show thank you for listening to my message thank you for listening to my podcast um, at this point in time um, I do want to kind of take a little break and just say if you're not following me on Instagram on Twitter, um, if you haven't liked my page on Facebook, Diary of a Mad Black Man. The actual handle is Diary of a MBM. Um, 
MBM, like Mad Black Man. And I want you all to follow me on there and engage with me on social media because what I'm also coming to the realization of is that this is a beautiful thing. It's not all peaches and cream right now. I'm not making a dime from this. Uh, well, I have the little sponsorship stuff from Anchor, but over the past six months, I've barely made enough to go to to go out to eat. So that's neither here nor there. But I really see the bigger purpose and mission of what it is that I can achieve here and how I can still feel successful. So that's the reason why I am continuing to do this. And I'm saying this out loud, like as if I'm not recording a podcast right now, but it's, it feels so good to say something out loud and get it out and feel it and hear it. And then I'm going to repeat it back to myself. So this is going to be very good again for parents, educators, students, and to the community. I also want to preface this with this message is not necessarily to my Atlanta parents or my, you know, or the, or the parents, educators and students and community that I contact while being here in Atlanta. This goes to every parent, every educator, every student and every community, which the community piece, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a try. I haven't written anything for that. So I don't really know what I'm going to say when I get to talking about community. So y'all bear with me when I get to that part. But um, I do want to tell parents that first and foremost, um, I do want to say that I am not a parent. So I cannot relate to what it may be like to be a parent but what i can relate to and definitely understand is the love and the passion that comes with wanting with with wanting the best for your child i know what that feels like and i know most parents almost all parents will know what that feels like to want the best for your child and to love your child so much that your entire existence and being becomes for that other person. You no longer live for yourself as a parent. I can't necessarily relate, but as a teacher and somebody who was responsible for the lives of young people in my presence, I can understand that feeling. Because when there were times when school shootings would happen and I would have to have those tough conversations with my class. And I can remember sometimes I would let my class know almost every single time I would let them know. A few times I shed a tear, but by the time I got to like my third year, I had stopped shedding tears because, you know, and I was also in fifth grade. By the time I couldn't be, you know, crying. No, I'm just joking. That's toxic. But anyway, um, but seriously. I had to stand in front of my students and let them know that if somebody was to come into this building and try to harm you, there are not only policies and procedures in place that we have to practice and master and always have in the back of their mind, but also I want you all to know that your teacher, me, Mr. Johnson, is going to protect you by any means necessary. Mr. Johnson is going to be at the front of this line, at the front of the door, and my number one priority is your safety and your survival in those moments. As a teacher, every single day, walking into that building, those thoughts will cross my mind. What if today is the day 
You know, this is what these, I'm, I'm also sharing this with you as parents so that way you all can kind of understand what some of your teachers may be going through when they're stressed out and they may not necessarily reply to an email on time or they may forget to send a homework assignment home. You know, some of the things that I used to receive a lot of flack about, why aren't you sending homework home? Why aren't you sending homework home? Why aren't you sending homework home? Where's the homework? First of all, homework's only 5% of their total grade. If they did no homework and they mastered everything else and everything else, they're still going to get 95 on top of that, the way the system, one of the systems that I was a part of, you know, y'all really have to understand what you all are putting your children through every single day. It's not like how it was when I was in school. It's not like how it was when you were in school. Give your child a safe home to rest, engage, and learn in. Because when they step out that door and they cross that threshold from their home, they are now a part of the entire world that you and I as adults know can be very vicious, mean, and cruel. Please, parents, give your children a safe space, a clean space to be and exist and be as they are, engage, and learn within their home. Your home is your introduction into the world. Oftentimes, newborns, I have a friend who just had a baby. <laughs> Shout out to the Kings, I love y'all. But um, I'm almost certain that that child is not going to leave their home, that home, for the first two to three months of their life, period. For the first four to five years of this child's life, this is gonna be the primary environment that this person that this human being is living and dwelling in. You know, your friends that you bring around, the family that you allow around your children are the first relationships that they will have. Their first experiences with interacting with other human beings who may not necessarily be mom, dad, brother, or sister. You know, family can mean a lot of different things. Friends can mean a lot of different things. Please, if nothing else, make sure that your child, that you teach your child that you love them and you care for them and you will support them and you will be there for them unconditionally. Also, parents, I would encourage you to not try to force your child to be who you think that they are, but allow your child to develop who they are. Be a guide for your child and not a director be a facilitator of knowledge and not a teacher see what i'm saying so schools going to school k-12 education in the united states you know a lot of times it's shaped and it looks like it's their first job some of these kids at five years old are having to get up just like you at the crap before the sun even comes up to go into a building and guess what they're expected to perform they're expected to engage they're expected to smile they're expected to be pleasant they're expected to be courteous they're expected to be clean they're expected to be well fed unfortunately and i know many parents are going to understand this because I've seen it firsthand. I've had many deep conversations with many parents. Oftentimes, it's not the case. You're not able to do that. And that's okay. 
Because what do you need to teach your child first? That you love them, you support them, and you will love them unconditionally. Again, it's just my advice to you as a teacher. Um, I will also encourage you to become more involved in your schools. Become more, get to know your teachers. Get to know your principal. Get to know the secretary. Get to know the custodians. Your secretary, your custodians, and your cafeteria workers, them three categories of people need to be your best friend because they're the ones that know everything. The secretary that sits at the front desk of that office knows everything that's going on in that building. So, parents, when you come into the building, please be respectful, be courteous, be kind, and model the behaviors that you want your children to display when they become adults. When you go into these buildings, when you are out in public with your children, model the behaviors that you want your children to display when they are in public. Be mindful of that. Um, There's so much more that I could say to you as parents. But what I can also say to you is that I'm still with you. You know, to any of my parents that may be listening right now, I'm still here with you. Mr. Johnson's still here. He hasn't gone nowhere. You know what I'm saying? That same heart, that same passion that I have is still there. And I'm still using my voice. I'm still using who I am and who God created me to be to expose and teach about something else. That's ultimately what education is, exposing and learning about something else. You know, I am on a different path. I'm on a different wave. Am I a teacher? I wouldn't necessarily say that. Am I a facilitator of knowledge and engaging in learning? Yeah, I would say that. You know, I don't I can't really give you a title right now. I guess I could say a podcaster. But at the end of the day, you are your child's best teacher. These teachers that you send them to every day, you know, during a regular school year, they have them for 180 days. Okay, you have them for a lifetime. So, parents, please honor your children, respect your children, and also take care of yourself. Take care of you. You need you time. Mommy needs mommy time. Daddy needs daddy time. And mommy and daddy need mommy daddy time. Everybody does. Just like kids need time to just be kids. Give them that space and that ability to do that. And just work with your schools, work with your teachers, have open and honest communication and be willing and able to support any way that you can. I think that's probably one of the best things that I ever had uh, from my parents was for the parents to say, I trust you with my child. I believe in what you're doing with my child and I'm going to support whatever it is you were trying to do for your child because I believe that you were trying to do what's best for your child. And parents, make sure that you have a teacher who really truly wants what's best for your child. You'll know. Trust me. There are some out there who do not. Okay. To my fellow educators. I know. I know. You're tired. You're stressed. You're overworked and underpaid. I get it. On the outside, outside of education, teachers are the way of the world you all have a very noble position and it's very prestigious and to be a teacher you have to be an upstanding citizen and conduct and carry yourself to a higher standard and be a role model and a leader for your community and your students i understand what that responsibility feels like and i'm here as an educator and also as a human being to let you know that I also know that you're human, okay? 
I really hope that you as an educator, as somebody who is, whether you're a principal, whether you're a janitor, a cafeteria worker, an assistant principal, a secretary, whatever teacher you are, if you work with young people, if you work in the capacity where you have the ability to make impressionable impacts on other young impressionable minds, I hope you understand you have the opportunity to really shape the world that we are all living and sharing. I hope you all understand that these young students, these kids, will one day be adults driving down the same streets you do. Because guess what? We all breathe the same air. When this COVID-19 stuff hit, everybody had to go inside. It wasn't just certain people. It wasn't just kids going inside. It's everybody going inside. And we need to have more open, honest conversations with inside these educational institutions that are the center of these communities that we serve. One of the things that I would encourage educators to do is speak up especially if you don't have no union backing you. That's all the more reason for you to speak up and use your voice. Go to those district meetings. Go to those superintendents. Go to those people and use your voice to showcase what it is you are seeing on a daily basis in your classroom and how you want to make it better. To my first year teachers, you got this. Nobody, most people who are in the classroom really don't know what they're doing. They might have a lesson plan, but at the end of the day, Something, if you're up teaching and a child falls out in the middle of the floor, everything that you have planned for your beautiful, perfect assessment at the end for your exit ticket goes out the door. And you now have to assess a child that is laying across your floor screaming, hollering. I've had to do it several times. So this level of anxiety that I think educators oftentimes carry can be become a major burden and it can affect your health. I am an educator who it affected their health because I didn't have healthy coping strategies. I didn't have proper release strategies. I didn't have a proper routine established. And I felt that I could just save the world if I just did the best and was the best of the best and the best. One of the reasons why I left education, because I had a lot of educators around me at the time tell me the best that you can do is never good enough. You'll never do enough for these kids. You'll never do enough to push the needle forward, to push the data or to do that kind of stuff. But yet at the same exact time, I understand you're under the you're under the pressure to do what many of us know in reality is impossible in many cases across this country and unfortunately around the world. So what I will say to you is this. I remember. When I was first starting teaching now, something that I can say is that some of the mentors and the quotes and the little workshops and things that we had, the very non-traditional classroom teaching and learning stuff that I always did in education, that's what I loved. I loved after school. I loved doing workshops. I loved field day. I loved uh, the festivals and being able to have a party and teach about, you know, just different things off the fly versus everybody sitting at the desk and I'm standing up. You know what I'm saying? So I get it, teachers. I hope that you use your voice. I hope you understand that you are needed. You are necessary. But please, 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 please take care of yourself first. If you really want to have a positive impact on the lives of young people, you have to make sure that the person delivering that impact 
is tactful, is aware, is well rested, is clean, is hydrated, you know, has mental clarity, has a clean home to go to, has, you know, healthy food they're putting in their body, has a well-balanced social life. You have to have that as an educator. You have to have an amazing and exceptional balance and quality of life outside of that building. That was my downfall. I put everything I had into that building and didn't give myself enough. I would leave that building and take the burden and the stress of my families, my students, and my coworkers with me. And I would let it worry me in the night. I would let it drink me drunk. And I would let it smoke me till I was sky in the, high in the sky. And that's not healthy. I'm not saying that you can't have a little wine, a little Jack Daniels, or a little whatever it is that you decide to do what you do on the side. I'm not, because I'm very much for legalization, pro-marijuana, cannabis, all that kind of stuff. But everything must be done in moderation. You also have to think, are you doing this to help with the relaxation that's already coming? Or are you using this as your crutch to relax? If you can't if you run out of wine if you run out of weed do you have other ways to cope with life at one when i was teaching i didn't the other strategies that i had were extremely unhealthy and so i know that now looking back i see how so many areas of my life could have been improved and could have been better but that's why my message to my educators is to take care of yourself first Because by making yourself a priority, by making sure you are happy, healthy, and whole and solid, you are making sure that you are giving your children, your students, the best you that you can. You have to be able to give them the best you, whatever that looks like, whether you're EIP, English, math, science, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, high school, middle school, um, specialized, like if you teach like a business, whatever type of form or position that you may have. Understand that you have a tremendous amount of power that should not be taken lightly, should be used very tactfully because you are truly the ones that touch the lot. There's a quote that my grandmother gave me on a little piece I used to hang up in my classroom. To teach is to touch a life forever. Children may not remember what you taught them, but they will always remember how you made them feel. Make sure you are doing it for the kids. Make sure you are doing it for them. Make sure you are doing it that if you are in, let's say you're in a building where you know things are being done unethically, that you are willing to stand up and potentially put your job on the line, your reputation on the line to stand up for what's right. Because that's something else I didn't do a couple times. I do have some regrets, but I've learned that my regrets are not necessarily regrets. They're life lessons. Knowing what I know now, things will be much different. So again, my educators, take care of yourself, love your students, and do the best that you can for them. Because at the end of the day, that's all you can do. And I am here to tell you that the best you can do is enough. You giving your all, putting 110% into that lesson is exactly what these kids need. 
for somebody that's going to stand up and give them their all every single day. Because educators, we know, unfortunately, parents are not to talk to you, but I'm also let some of y'all know a lot of y'all are not giving your children your all. And I and I, educators, you know, we see it every single day. So those children, those young minds, those beautiful, bright, young spirits and little people that you serve every single day, give them the best you. To my students, to all of my students who I've interacted with, um, first of all, y'all know, y'all know Mr. Johnson love y'all. You know Mr. Johnson will do anything for you that he can. What I want to say to you is that I'm always going to be that. I'm always here. I'm always there. I, I Whatever it is that I can do to help you succeed, to help you grow, to mold you, Still in this capacity, whatever it is it may be, I'm here for it. Of course, with, if you're under 18, parental permission. But, you know, that's another thing. I was always super paranoid working with you guys. You know, there's so many laws and rules and regulations around being a teacher. I used to have to walk on, like, it was almost like I could be free within the building, but outside I had to walk on pins and needles just to be your teacher. Needless to say, um, I hope that I was able to make a positive impact in your life. I hope that you were able to understand that everything I did was for the well-being of everybody. Also understand that I now know I didn't make all the best decisions. I wasn't, you know, every day wasn't perfect. I was learning just like you were. And that's ultimately what life is about. We learn and grow each and every single day. It never stops, myself included. I'm still learning. And I haven't been inside of school in, I mean, this for the first time in my life, over like a year and a half, I have not been inside of school for nothing. And I miss it. It feels weird. I miss y'all. I miss being in the classroom. Some days, oh, man, I could just go down the list of every single moment that I had with so many different students all across the world, really, because I have students all over the world. My students from down in Miami, technically y'all were grown, y'all were adults, but still y'all were my students. I loved you. I respected you. I know what it meant to, let me just say it to you like this, tell you a story. Some of my kids who I taught in Atlanta, y'all know this. When I was in sixth grade, I was failing most of my classes, not doing well in school. In fact, I hated school. I despised school. I did not want to go to school. I was a horrible kid growing up. And a lot of my, I don't know if all my students know this, but I was a really bad kid growing up. Turned my life around. Not because, partially because I wanted to and I wanted to live a good life, but partially because I knew that my environment and everything I saw around me, I wanted nothing to do with it. I didn't want to be like the people I saw growing up. I didn't want to be struggling to make ends meet. I didn't want to have my family struggling and hurting. And like many of my students have often expressed, they, they, they want so desperately to grow up to help their families. I want to let you all know that you all can do that. You all can do whatever it is you set your mind to. It's called manifesting. Learn it. Believe in it. And whatever it is you believe that you can do, especially if it's going to be a positive impact on the world and it's not going to hurt or harm anybody, it's going to make this human experience that we're all engaged in better. It's going to work. Give it time. 
trust the process. Trust the process of your own growth. Give yourself space and opportunity to be and exist exactly as you are, however you feel. Find you some good friends and hold on to them. Be kind, be nurturing to them. And the phrase is so cliche, but truly treat other people how you would want to be treated. But also with that, I'll add to that. That's a little same they used to say to people when I was growing up. Say, say, the adults would say to kids, treat, treat people how you want to be treated. That's true, but also treat people how they want to be treated and how they show you they should be treated. Respect people as they want you to respect them. You see what I'm saying? So continue to be the bright young people that you are. Learn, grow, thrive. Be the best that you can be. And even if you're not what you feel is your best, if you gave 100% effort, that's all you can do. Don't beat yourself up because you didn't go above and beyond. It's okay. The world is not going to stop because you didn't get an A on an assignment or you didn't ace that test or you didn't get into that college or you didn't um, or, or that friend no longer is your friend no more. It, it will go on. Learn to love yourself first. Please learn to love and respect yourself young people and then everything else will fall in line because when you love and you trust and you believe and you respect yourself other people are going to see that within you and they're going to fall in line and act the same and a lot of times when other people see that within you it might rub off on them to the communities that i've served i feel that i've served many small communities that i could name you know springfield uh, specifically, I would have to say like Clayton County, you know, D.C., you know, Miami. But really, I've been and I feel that I have a global impact. I know for a fact I have a global impact because I know people all over the globe. <laughs> that was simple, right? But I can see it. I see it in my analytics for this podcast. I know there are people outside of the U.S. sitting and listening to my voice right now. And I'm so appreciative for that message. Send help. No, I'm just kidding. But um, for real, this community, this world that we all live in and we shared, it's ours. I consider myself a global citizen. I really want to continue to build this platform to have a to be on the global stage that it's already on but to bring more voices to really begin to share a message to share knowledge and engage in a way that is absolutely going to change me and hopefully change you as a community whether this is your local community or your larger city or state or country or the whole world if we all want to unite we can unite to shut down covid and this stuff we can unite for justice we can unite to end world hunger. We can unite to make sure, you know, children, all children under the age of 18 receive free health care. You know what I'm saying? There are things that we can do as a community, as a whole, that can be done. And I would strongly recommend those of you within your local communities really engage with your locally elected officials, especially within education. These people are often extremely influential and how things are done it right there in your community. I know that a lot of times we look to the federal government, um, to the national government, 
to make changes. But that's the reason why local government, local authority and local control is the reason why you have, for example, in Atlanta, you have cities like Roswell, Alpharetta, Dunwoody that looked absolutely phenomenal and amazing because the property taxes are high and they have a I'm not going to compare how the cities run operationally because I can't really speak to that because I don't know. But understand that each individual community has power. I don't care what kind of resources or money you have. You all coming together as citizens, as members of a community gathered as one with a solid mission that could benefit everybody or the greater good of the whole community. That's power. There's power in numbers. Individually, we're divided. To, uh, there's a quote I, 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 I'm thinking of. It's like individually, we're united. In, together, we're united, divided, we're, something like that. I don't know. Stick together, y'all. <laughs> Be with one of support your people. Don't throw trash in your streets. These are these if you you throwing trash in your street, you might as well throw trash in your own living room. We have to learn to also understand that our homes that we live inside also are inside this world and this community that we all share. So let's really learn to respect one another, to be there for one another, to love one another and engage with one another. And when it comes to these education institute, educational institutions, when it comes to these schools, say like elementary, middle and high school, K-12, y'all parents, teachers, educators, you all at the school level can make national news can make can spark a national movement when you if you all were come to if you all would come together and experience synergy i know there are many communities around the world that are doing it if you look at some of the most successful schools who have turned around dire statistics because we all know the data is there that students who live primarily students of color Black and brown students, Latino students, poor white students are some of the lowest performing students in this country. But we also know that given different approaches, innovative approaches to their education, they can achieve. It's done. There's schools out there. Google them. Communities, y'all have the ability to do it. I remember something one of my uh, my superintendents said um, you know, they say that you can't change the world. You know, that's the thing that they try to tell you. You know, it's one of the reasons why I was why I get so hype about he was a great speaker, amazing, phenomenal speaker. And I, I really get hyped about motivational speakers um, just because they're it, it's motivational speaker. Like you saying a message is powerful. And I love that. You know, that's, that's kind of what I want to do. But anywho, my point being is that this was the first time I ever heard not only another human being. But I heard it come from the mouth of another black man. This is what this man said. Someone once told me that you cannot change the world. <laughs> he stood at the front of this room and my superintendent said, well, I'm here to tell you, yes, you can. How do you change the world? One community at a time. How do you begin changing that community? You start as an educator and you help one student at a time and you help as many as you can and then you eventually help that community you change that community and as leaders and as people and as 
people were all, I mean, we're all part of the community. So as community members of a community, we're all in this together. We can do this. We can unite as one. We just have to do it. It's it's not about saying, oh, we've done this before in the past or, oh, that happened before. Like the parent-teacher associations, y'all have um, the amount of fundraising and power that you all have. Please work together and support one another as a community. Parents, educators, students, work together. We can do this. I still believe as, as much as I went through as an educator, as a teacher in a classroom, I still believe in that mission. I still believe in the transformative power that education has. Why? Because it created me to be who I am. The transformative power of education hit me before I even thought I wanted to be a teacher. I've experienced it. I know what it's done, what it can do. I know what an experience can do. And so that's why I'm bringing you this experience. I'm bringing all of you this experience, my listeners, my audience. I believe that this is going to, like, I just, I get so riled up and filled with excitement when I think about the future of my life sometimes, you know. I think it's also because I've had such dark moments. I've had such lows that I I don't even want to give my brain space to try to think of what that was like to be in that space that I once occupied and that space was not outside of me it was within me and I've been doing a lot of soul searching a lot of work within I've like I told y'all I stepped out on a leaf leap of faith like I've done time and time again. Leap of faith was leaving Illinois to move to Atlanta. Praying to God the whole way. Lord, I hope this brings me happiness. I hope this brings me joy. I remember crying, leaving, moving to Atlanta, knowing that I wouldn't knowing that I would never see my grandmother again. You know, and I knew at the time it had been six months about six months and I remember writing with that pain in my chest and it was such a beautiful day that day and as I was driving and the pain of the loss was there I remember just how just bright and sunny the sky was and how I just felt this push and this energy that everything was going to be okay everything was going to be all right you know and I don't know. I'm not perfect. Like I said, I don't know. I often am challenged with how am I going to be a voice for somebody else? How am I going to be a role model for somebody else? How am I going to give somebody else advice? Well, I moved a little bit past that. I've evolved a little bit from that. This is how. This is one way. My message may not be for everybody. My voice isn't for everybody. What I'm about isn't for everybody. Everybody's not going to respect what it is that I do. But I'm still going to do what it is that I do because this is a divine calling. That, that's a mission that I'm on. And now that I'm more comfortable and solid in who I was and my mental health and my space and I have coping strategies and I have people around me. I even, um, just a sidebar, I'll let you guys know this. I did take a pause on therapy. You know, I haven't been, you know, it was, I believe it was la- the week before last was my last time going uh, 
because I found myself sitting in a session with my therapist and it wasn't productive. I found myself even that day going to that therapy session just because I booked it and I felt obligated to do it, even though my body and my spirit was telling me just rest and lay down. I literally set an alarm to wake me up to go to my therapy session when my body was telling me I need rest. And so now I'm on a journey where I have the focus of my podcast. I have my little community that I built online, um, which is the word. I mean, the times we live in is is you guys going to know well, this is coming out tomorrow. I'll let you guys know. So today's what May right now it's May the 7th. I have been recording this episode over the course of some time now. Um, I have other unreleased <laughs> why I quit teacher episodes. Um, Some of the first ones were very emotional for me. So I like scratched them like mid episode because I started crying or got over emotional or said some stuff that I didn't, you know, there's some things that I also believe even in writing and journaling, some things are just not meant to be said and shouldn't be repeated and should just lay and die wherever it is they are. Let that experience be where it was and be what it is. You know, I'm learning that through therapy as to everything doesn't need to be relived. Everything doesn't need to be revisited. And every conversation doesn't need to be rehashed. And every point doesn't need to be clarified. So I really hope and I feel confident and I know that you all have enjoyed this. You all have sat through while this might be my longest episode, but this is only part two. So uh, I want to go ahead and let you guys know what's coming next. Uh, well, in the, specifically with this series, um, with the teaching series, uh, my next episode is going to be a collab with some other educators where we're essentially going to have. Um, I don't want to spoil it too much, but I'm going to have some other people on here sharing their experiences as educators, um, what they've experienced and just talking about education with students, with parents, with what the what community means to them. Uh, what does it mean to be a teacher? What does it mean to be an educator? You know, everybody goes into the field for a different reason. And, that, and that's OK. That's life. But for me, I quickly realized that I have other more pressing things that I need to do. You know, they say that. In order to change the world, you should start with the person in the mirror and change that person. Start there, you know, and I really took a hold of that. And like I said, took a leap of faith, quit my job, and I've been on one hell of a roller coaster since. And y'all been rocking with me for a little minute now since October, since I've been dropping this podcast stuff. I'm letting y'all know now I'm not going to stop. I have so much in store. And if I go ghost from anything, y'all can find me because I got to come. I got to stick with this. This is one thing that I have to stick with. I got to. I have no reason not to. It's free. Why wouldn't I want to do it? Why wouldn't I want to get on here and share my thoughts, share my voice with people that are going to receive it and it's going to add to their life and add value. That's my goal. That's my intent. You know, add value to somebody else's life through a podcast. And that's what I'm doing. So Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Again, if you're not following me on any of the socials, Diary of an MBM, that information can be found in the description box of this episode. I greatly appreciate you listening to part two of I Quit Teaching. And I look forward to letting you all hear part three. Um, This is Blake, the host, Diary of a Mad Black Man. Y'all stay blessed and highly favored. And we're out.